Hey y'all, this is Brian Potter and I am a Shelly Spears and welcome to the Space of Grace podcast. This podcast is for everyday people like us, regardless of sex, age, and background. To make room for people to encounter God's grace throughout their lives. So come into our space where we welcome real conversations. everyone. Welcome to Space of Grace. We are super excited to be on today. My name is Briah Potter, one of the founders. And I am Shelly Spears, the other founder. And it is so good to have you guys uh, tune in today. Today we have a beautiful family, the Garcia family. Um, And I just wanted to take some time to introduce them. Uh, They are founded in Pure Love and Health Ministries, which began in 2016 when Victoria launched her first Purity and Peace small group in her Dominic's Attic apartment. It was evident that people needed safe places to talk about taboo topics, insecurities, hurts, and failures without being judged. So God opened doors for Purity and Peace to grow. And DJ and Vicky knew the mo- the movement to help hurting people to heal was bigger than just a small group Bible study. From there, the ministry has flourished into what it is today, a movement and community. So welcome, guys, DJ and Vicky. Thank you. Hello, Thank hello. You so much, Thank you so much. That was, uh, I feel like I should be receiving a Grammy right now because that was <laughs> such a nice introduction. That's such a nice introduction. Thank you so much, ladies. Of course, you're welcome with that Grammy, both of you. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to take this time to ask, you know, can you share with us uh, how you both met? Yeah, sure thing. Um, We met, I mean, we always knew of each other. Uh, I'm I'm originally not from Bridgeport, Connecticut. I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia, and I moved up here when I was about a teenager. And um, Vicky her parents were, um, so my grandfather here in Bridgeport was a pastor of one of the biggest churches in, uh, Spanish churches in Bridgeport. And so her family uh, went there. And, uh, so when I moved up here, um, I kind of just met my wife. Um, she, at first she didn't think that though. Um, <laughs> she was totally not having it. Uh, but, uh, the moment I, I gave my life to Christ in my grandfather's church and the moment I kind of did, I just, I was just like, you know, God, I really want everything you have for me. And, uh, when I laid eyes on my wife, you know, I was just like, you know, that's, that's going to be my wife. And I, I, I told everybody that. So like the crazy thing is like, uh, Vicky's, Vicky's nine years older than me. So when I was about 15 years old, she was about like 24. Wow. And, um, it was crazy because I used to tell everybody, I was like, yeah, Vicky's going to be my wife. And they're like, you're crazy. You're insane. That's never going to happen. <laughs> you know, Vicky herself, I would tell Vicky herself, you know, I remember, I'd be like, Hey, do you have a boyfriend? And she was just like, no, I don't have a boyfriend. And I was like, well, that's, that's good. Cause I'm going to be your boyfriend. That's you know, this 15 year old, you know, telling, oh. you know, telling, telling this grown woman. Right. And um, yeah. So for years, I, I, I just kind of let her know that I was there. And, you know, obviously she's doing grown woman stuff at this time. She was uh, she was a uh, missionary. And so she was around in India, Cambodia, Thailand uh, for months at a time. And she ended up ultimately moving to Orlando. And so um, she we didn't see each other for years. Um until she came back to visit for a wedding and then you know uh, we finally saw each other um i'll take over so just 
to set the record straight, I ignored him for years after that. Uh, ain't nobody got time for jail. And at 22 oh, years old, like, I, no, absolutely not. Um, I laughed it off. You know, he was, um, I knew he was younger than I, than I was, obviously. I just didn't know by how much. And I was like, this little boy is going to get me in trouble. Um, and so I was just like, I laughed it off. I thought it was cute or whatnot, but literally did not text him back or talk to him back or back to him. And so, um, I'm going to say about four or five years of living in Florida and not really coming back to Connecticut. Um, and we'll get deeper into that with the fact that, um, you know, I had certain hurts and wounds here in Connecticut. So I had left to the mission field to really find myself and to really find God, right? Like I wanted that, um, intimate kind of experience with the Lord and I was the first youth in my uh, youth group, so to speak, and in my church to go over to like Asia and to do missions in the 1040 window, which mm-hmm. is like the most non-churched or non, you know, the place of the world where the gospel is n- not as spread as a, in comparison to everywhere else. Yeah. And so, you know, I went to do that and it was a really exciting time. And like you said, I ended up in... Orlando. And, uh, but then I had, I finally made it back to my hometown of Bridgeport, Connecticut, where everything started again for a wedding and DJ and I reconnected there. And, um, I was like, wow, like he grew up, right? Like he got my attention, (laughs) had a beard, you you know, had a beard. Um, and even then I thought he was of age, but he was still only 17 years old. So yeah, so I'm yeah. right into yeah. my age. He didn't tell me his age, but he was taking college classes as a senior in high school. So he just told me he was in college, right? And so I was 26 at the time. And I'm like, hmm, college, that means he must be like, you know, 20 years old. We're only six years apart, that type of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and then even then uh, when I found out, I was like, nope, I can't talk to you anymore. And he was like, this is why I didn't <laughs> tell you anymore. But when he was of age, when he was of age, um, he actually asked me to go to his prom. And uh, this wow. is kind of, kind of like a funny story. He he asked me to go to his prom. I, I mean, I'm like, are you kidding me? Meanwhile, I'm Googling prom dresses. You know, this color is going to look good on me. This color is going to look good on me, right? And like flirting with the idea. Um, I called up his mom. So just to give everybody an idea of our family connection, um, his grandfather was the pastor of our church. And my dad was like the the his right-hand minister. Um, so our families, we grew up very close with a pastoral family. So DJ's mm-hmm. mom, DJ's mom is our pastor's daughter, uh, growing up. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so we just grew up such a tight knit. Um, and I think as, and also, uh, to get a little bit of understanding DJ's family, um, he has a lot of uncles and they all married women older than them. So this, this marrying an older woman to oh him is absolutely yeah. normal. Regular They're all, day. this is regular, regular day. You know what I'm saying? Like, this yeah. is not, this is not out of the ordinary. Now for me, I, I didn't, I don't have that type of example in my family yeah, so at all. Yeah. Uh, all of her, you know, uh, uncles and aunts, you know, that, uh, cause her, their, her parents have like a huge family and they all, um, all like all the men are older. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it was kind of like the opposite for Vic. Right. Whereas for me, all the, all right. the aunts are older than my uncles. So I, you know, um, 
there was a lot of processing that I had to do with all this because for me, he was my little brother, right? He was my little brother in Christ. And I'm like, uh, I don't, this romantic feeling, um, is new to me, but I did in that, in that reconnection, I did started feeling romantic feelings, um, toward DJ. And then I found out, and then I found out his age. Right. And so we were like a month in and I knew he was younger than me, but I didn't really know by how much. And then, you know, one of my cousins were like, why are you so giddy? And I'm like, Oh, I'm talking to DJ. And she's like, do you know how old he is? Like she knew his age because she had a nephew that grew up with DJ. And mind you, we're in a church, uh, the church we grew up with, everyone's related to each other by marriage anyway. So my family knows DJ's family very well. So like, um, they basically tattletailed on him. And I was like, what? <laughs> what is the meaning of this? What is the meaning of this? So, um, but it was interesting because, um, before being with DJ, I was single for six years. I had been in a six year relationship from the age of 16 to 21. And it was very, mm. um, push pull. It was very, it was young love too, you know, like very immature love you know, puppy love. And so with that comes a lot of mistakes, with that comes a lot of hurts, you know, um, it's just immature. It's immature decision-making. Um, and I still hadn't hurt from, I still haven't, hadn't healed, excuse me, from hurts that happened to me even before 16 years old. Mm. Um, and so all of those, all of those things I realized in my mature self and in my healed self. And as I went through my healing journey, um, I was choosing, you know, there, even down to the the fact that I chose this this young man to be with for six years um, was rooted from a place of hurt and not from a healed and hold self. So that produced fruit mm. too, you know. And so it was a very broken relationship. And I, I believe when women and any person gets hurt, there's like a spectrum, right? And and there's the two sides of the spectrum is you either don't date anybody at all and you hide. Or you jump from relationship to relationship looking to fill the void from the hurt. And in my case, I hid and I didn't date anyone. And so um, we met, you know, that's how we met. We grew up in church together and DJ basically prophesied um, to, you know, spoke it into existence and (laughs) did not let it up. And he pursued me relentlessly. Yeah, he pursued me relentlessly. And long story short is that I ended up going to um, prom with him um, as a 26 year old woman. And I, we stayed together ever since. Um, And I believe, you know, there's a story behind that where a lot of my hurt happened at the age of about 18 and 19. And it's almost like the Lord took me back to that age because that's the age I was stuck at from my trauma in this relationship, specifically romantically. And he took me back to that. And I was able to grow emotionally, mentally from that place and move forward to where Mm -hmm. I am today. And, you know, everyone's story is different. And that's the way I believe the Lord has had revealed it to me, because if anyone was most against uh, being with someone nine years younger, it was me. DJ knows I fought it tooth and nail, but I think, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we want to discuss later on about, you know, having standards, right. And having godly standards, um, at the end of the day, I had to realize that the man that God was sending me, which was my husband, um, had, had qualities that I needed that weren't going to change. Right. Mm, And that, you know, maturity in his case, maturity is just, um, is not based on an age, 
right? And I'm not telling everybody to go and date somebody, you know, with wild age differences. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. I'm not telling people to rob cradles, but I yeah. am saying that there's certain deal breakers that we may have on a list for a spouse yeah. that we need to question. Maybe it's it's going to keep us single, you know, if we, if we stay so harshly to them mm-hmm. and really question them and saying, is this a godly standard or is this a fleshy standard? Uh, Am I not willing to date someone nine years younger than me because I care more about what people think other than, um, and, and I'm, I'm, and I'm not staying focused to who this person is and how they could be the best thing for me. And I had a conversation with one of my cousins and, you know, I was saying, I was talking to him through and he was like, oh, you're dating DJ. And this is while DJ and I were dating. And I'm like, yeah. And he's, and I was like, but you know, I don't know. My parents aren't really on board and all this stuff. And he was like, listen, he might be the best thing for you. And that was like the first piece of confirm, like affirmation, not confirmation, but affirmation I got wow. for the relationship in regards to the age. And he was just like, you need to look at who he is as a person. And if who he is as a person aligns with who you're asking for God to bring in your life, then you need to look again at, you know, your um, deal breakers or whatever list that you have and reconsider what you, what's really important in the end, right? Mm -hmm. Because age is going to change. And once you're in your twenties and thirties, things are going to change. But, you know, um, if he was unfaithful, that would be different, right? If he had a track record where he was unfaithful and couldn't stay faithful to a woman, that's a little bit harder to change than say, um, my husband was um, a little unstylish, we'll say, when I met him. So <laughs> I always bring this up, right? And, you know, I was like, man, he's young and he can't dress. So, but I was like, you know what, honey? Um, here's a GQ magazine. This is GQ's handle on Instagram. Take a look at, at this and, you know, let's level up your wardrobe. Because if you're going to be with me, I need you to level up your wardrobe. And you know what? He did it, guys. Like that that was something that you can change, right? That's a variable that we can change. But there's deeper things that, um, and red flags that sometimes we ignore in relationships that um, are more meaningful, right? You know he has a track record of certain things in his life that you're ignoring that are a little bit harder to change. Mm. And I'm not saying that we write people off totally because everyone deserves grace, right? And there's, um, but but we also need to take relationships in steps and um, test test each step and touch test the ground of each uh, and in the stage of each part of the relationship. Have they proven themselves to be trustworthy and those types of things? So. It's just a challenge in a way. We always talk about this um, when it comes to our personal testimony, but that's what, you know, it took a risk because I, I hadn't taken any risks, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was single for six years. And when you're in a relationship, you need to take risks. That's definitely true. And I think on my part and the testimony, because everybody was telling me not to do it. Because mm. like, you know, um, you need to explore life. Like you're too young or this and that. And, you know, stuff that type of talk and when people spoke to me, like I understood where they were coming from, you know, but uh, the type of life that I lived prior to meeting Vic, you know, I had to grow up fast. And so like, for me, I felt like, yeah, even though my age was the number, you know, but my mentality and what God has brought me through in my, and you know, my personal testimony and, you know, like 
coming from Atlanta and it's just experiencing a lot and then living in Bridgeport in one of the hardest areas in Bridgeport. Um, yeah. You know, I just had a, I didn't really have a choice to be a kid. And quite frankly, I, I, I felt like my childhood was good in some ways, but other ways that I didn't like about my childhood, I was just like, you know, I kind of like the idea of being an adult more than staying a kid, you know? And to this day, like I still enjoy like being an adult, you know, like yeah. um, people, uh, it's, it's funny because people ask me all the time, like, oh, don't you miss high school and this and that. And I was like, actually, I don't, <laughs> I don't mm, I actually like right. paying my own bills and I like having my own house and I like, you know, right. doing my own things, you know, because um, uh, I guess what it was is when I was, as a kid, I felt very vulnerable and I told myself I never wanted to feel that again. And wow. so like uh, what I did was, um, I mean, and God had to work with, with me that too, because, because I was working so hard on not trying to be vulnerable right um god can't really work if you're not vulnerable and you're not open with him and so um and so god did have to bring me to the process but that was my mentality growing up and you know for me when it came to taking a risk you know i was really me pursuing my relationship with victoria wasn't just because i loved her and wanted to be with her you know it was more of like you know what god like i really want to pursue everything you have for me and i'm just gonna go out on a limb for it you know, like I rather like one of the things like I'll never forget Vicky herself told me she was like, don't you want to go and experience other women? I was like, why do I need to be with wow. a thousand women if I know what God asked for me? Like, that makes no sense. Wow. To me. You know, and so like that was the level that I was thinking about, because once I gave my life to Christ, you know, I was just all in because for me prior before giving my life to Christ, I didn't want to believe in him at all because I was mm-hmm. just like, if there's a God, then why would I go through such a harsh life? You know, especially right. my mother, who was a woman of prayer. You know, I felt like in my childhood, she kind of like suffered the most. And so I was more mad at God and I was angry with him. And I was just mm-hmm. like, yo, how are you going to? I was just like, all right, I can understand myself because I make bad decisions. I can understand my dad because he makes bad decisions. I can understand all these other people. But my mom out of everybody, you know, why are you going to let her suffer when she prays to you constantly every night, when she does this for you constantly every night, when she goes to church every Sunday, when she does this, you know, like. And so like for me, I, I, I had like a huge chip on my shoulder when it when it came to God and I didn't want anybody talking about it and so when he finally grabbed a hold of me I was like you know God if you're real or not then I'm just what I'm just going to pursue and I'm just going to lay on a limb for it you know yeah and um and so that was the type of my risk and everybody was telling me you know like oh you just you're a young man and you know you just need to live life and I was just like yeah you're right but I only got one life to live mm. you know and I'd rather yeah. not live it you know in a way where I have regrets in a sense. And so that's like the first part of maybe our testimony that we can, can, you know, encourage your listeners is to say that relationships take risk. We mm-hmm. never know. And it's okay. Like leaps of faith. Um, you know, Moses split the Red Sea. He was taking part of that's a risk, right? God said, stop praying and put your, <laughs> put, put that staff in the water and, and tell the water to split you're, you can look at that as taking a risk, right? It's also um, having the faith that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. And, um, and so that, that requires us to have, to take a leap of faith and relationships require that. And when we get hurt in our relationships and we have hurts, it's harder for us. We're not willing to take as many risks because we've taken risks in the past. We're like, Oh, it doesn't, you know, that didn't work out. And so, I think part of the healing from relationship hurts, specifically romantic relationship hurts, um, and friendship wounds too, is that to get up on that horse and try again. 
And um, when we don't do that and we keep ourselves um, like I did in a, in a place of extreme isolation, the depression comes very quickly because Mm -hmm. we were made to be in community with others. We were made for relationship. And when we barricade ourselves from that love and from that relationship, we, um, we put ourselves in a predicament where we're uh, vulnerable to anxiety, depression, loneliness, isolation. Mm -hmm. And so this is just to encourage you that it's going to take a risk and, and uh, it's not going to be that easy. And so that's how we met. Beautiful. Uh, for the most part. <laughs> no, no, gosh. Big deal. <laughs> great. It's a big deal. I'm so yeah, happy that you guys absolutely. went in depth and shared with our listeners because it was very encouraging. I think the, the greatest, I mean, there's, there's so many great elements, but for me, it's throw away your preference. Throw away your preference because even though you may have a preference, God mm. knows what you need. Yeah. And so God will give you what you need. And sometimes that does not come in the form of what you thought or dreamed of. And that's okay because what God has for you is so much better. So yeah. that was just so reflective in you guys' story. And now look at the ministry that you guys have and how God is just building his kingdom through you guys. Powerful if we're willing to really let go of everything and just let God be. Yeah. <laughs> let go, let God. <laughs> um, right. you know, really control. And so you did that. It wasn't tough. It's a risk. Like you said, taking risks. Mm. You know, being a believer in a sense, that's taking risks. Like we're taking risks to, you know, live this life out with fidelity. And, um, but we have that faith in the Lord that he's real and that he will, you know, come through for us, but it's all a risk too. But in risk, there's so much beauty. And to look at the beauty of your relationship, look at the beauty of us as believers, taking the risk and believing in Christ, uh, someone that we have never seen, but we know that he is real. So that's my takeaway. How about you, Shelly? No, honestly, it's like the same of just, um, when you get what you needed and not necessarily what you wanted, I feel like mm. what you needed quenches your soul in a deeper way. Um, because when you have what you need, not necessarily what you want, I feel like it brings a different sense of security. Um, because mm. what you want, when all of that washes away, what you need is always there. Um, and and I and I and I love that. And I love how God is just that strategic and that loving enough to be like, okay, listen, you may have a list of things, and it doesn't help when family and people are around you saying things that oppose, you know, what desire God kind of ignited in your heart. Um, but it was like he advocated the whole time of like, I have a plan A from the beginning and I'm going to get there and it's going to be what you need because where I'm going to take you, um, it's just going to be, it's going to, you're going to need these supplies um, and not what you thought. Cause maybe what we think we want, maybe not, we'll be able to sustain us in the season that God actually wanted to take us. Mm, so good. Exactly. And so there's a difference, obviously, here between needs and wants are really important because the enemy comes with us with wants and he knows what we want. And I think a lot of the times he'll put certain open doors in our paths to make us think that um, that is what we need, right? Like, this is what I need. I need a man with money and who's successful with a job and all of those things. And I'm not trying to undermine those Mm -hmm. things, but sometimes we're driven more by maybe the fleshy 
um, the things that things in the surface, uh, in the surface. Sometimes, sometimes we, although like we get amazed, like if you think about like a beach, right? So like you see how clear the water can be, and sometimes we're just good with that, right? And we're just good with seeing the clear water and the soft sand. We can see where we can walk, you know. Not not really realizing that some of the greatest treasures of the ocean are found in the deep. You know, they're found mm. like kind of like deeper into things. And sometimes we can just get so focused on, you know, just surface level things, you know, mm. and, um, and that's what leads to a lot of hurts. You know, I can't tell you how many men I talk to, you know, they're like, well, she was independent and, you know, well, it turns out you, you, you guys aren't compatible, not because she's independent, but like she had these other things that you didn't want to unsurface because you were looking more for the girl who didn't always bother you in a sense. Mm. you know yeah so good yeah so you know from there we started uh pure love and health uh we got dj and i got engaged and then we got married um in 2015 in august 2015 and in 2016 february 2016 we were going to cornerstone christian center in milford connecticut with pastor alfred watts and the church there was in a season where they were starting life groups and allowing the members to do life groups. And um, we had some church hurt. We had moved to Cornerstone. Cornerstone yeah. was like a safe place for us. Um, after experiencing uh, some some abuse, some spiritual abuse in our, in our past church, um, there were some rough things that happened to us. And so we went there as a safe haven. I had lived in Florida we were long distance for two years. And then I, I moved up to Connecticut, got a job up here. We started going to Cornerstone and actually we started, uh, because DJ's mom suggested that we go to the premarital class that pastor Watts did. And love this class, love, love, love this class. And he did it in a way Mm -hmm. that if you were going to get married or he was going to marry you, um, we weren't even members yet. It was our first contact with him. But the fact that the pastor was Mm -hmm. teaching this class, and he did it so well. It was a six-week course, and it was with couples. So it wasn't one-on-one therapy. It was more like in a group setting. So you were able to hear experiences from all types of couples from all walks. But that class mm-hmm. was so life-changing for us, and it held us together. And we were like, we want to come to this church because this church is pouring into couples, and we want to be poured into. And from there, having that model of, of that kind of, that kind of was a life group in and of itself. Um, they started Mm. life groups and pastor Watts said, Vicki, you know, what life group you should be leading a life group. Cause he knew that I knew the word and he knew that there was something within me. He saw something within me. And so I was very challenged to do it because I was like, you know, I was in a place where I'm in the choir now. I'm just getting my feet wet back in the church, but do I want to go into a place of leadership or, you know, something deeper right now? And, and, and I think previously too, like before the idea of, you know, like um, life, life group started really coming around in our church. Uh, Vicky previously mm-hmm. tried to do a regular woman's Bible study. Right. And I'll never forget that because she was telling me, she was just like, yeah, you know, I feel like God wants me to do a life group, but I don't know if I want to do one anymore because no one showed up to the Bible study that she tried to do. Right. So so previously, um, when I first got back to Connecticut, I had done a Bible study and I put a Facebook, um, you know, what is that called? Invitation out to everyone. And people said that they were going to come and I got a spot and to meet 
And long story short, nobody showed up. So I was there kind of by myself and it was such a bummer. But, you know, God gives his people resilience and he gives his people, um, when you're really connected to the Lord and you really know what he's trying to do in your life, um, it sometimes, you know, those are ways that God's going to test us. Right. And he's going to be like, are you going to show up even if nobody else does? You know, if I call you to do something, if I call you to preach or whatever it is, are you there for the people to show up? Or are you there to be obedient to me? And it was one of those moments where it was like, I showed up, Lord, I was obedient. Like, I felt like you yeah. called me to do this. And I had a moment with the Lord there. And I felt that he was saying, you know, start, start a blog. And I started this blog and it was called A Warrior's Cry. And one of the big things, series that I started on the blog was called Testimony Tuesdays. And I, and that's where I started sharing people's real testimony, like their real life testimony journey on this blog. Mm -hmm. And it just, it got a lot of buzz because people were starting to share on that blog, not the nice embellished Sunday school answer testimony, but the real raw testimonies of how they were abused and how they were pastor's kids and felt the pressure from that and failed. And, you know, just real raw perspectives of their testimony. And it was Testimony Tuesdays. And that kind of, I've always been a blogger for years and years. I've been a blogger. I used to have a Zanga back in the day. Um, It's, you know, that's, it's just so old school, the Zanga. So like I've been (laughs) blogging forever, but, um, but you know, this one was different. It was like a movement, you know, it was a, it was a platform for purity and peace. And in that season, what, what I needed to do. And so ultimately I sat and wrote purity and peace for the girl who was 26 years old. Um, when I was talking to DJ, I was also at a rock bottom place emotionally. And so I had to go to therapy and I had to get on some medication and just had like a quarter life crisis. Um, and, had to work through it because I had to deal with the wounds that had happened to me, you know, in my past all the way from childhood. And so all of that to say, I sat and wrote purity and peace for the 26 year old version of Victoria and every other woman like her. And we started, like Mm. you said, in our, in our attic, in our attic apartment. And I realized in that moment that God was doing something pretty big, but it also triggered some things in me like, wow, I'm still not even ready to do this. No wonder God didn't bring those girls to me a year ago or two years ago when I tried to do a Bible study. Like there's some things I still need to work out. So I went back to therapy, took the summer off and really looked at myself um, because the word of God says that leaders are going to be held to a higher account, right? And so we have to do that inner healing as leaders and as influencers or whoever, as pastors, as leaders in the church, as teachers. I don't even see myself as a pastor per se. I'm more of a teacher, really. And, mm. um, mm. and you know, doing that hard work. So I went and did that. And then when I rebooted Purity and Peace for the Life Group session of that fall in 2016, that's when it really blew up. And DJ and I were youth uh, worship leaders. We Both of us are worshipers. I sing, DJ plays the guitar. And so our dream, yeah, our dream was to have like a worship family, right, DJ? Yep, that was our dream. You know, the right music. was to have like, you know, uh, who's that singer that does it? Uh, Gary uh, Chip Chapman, something like that. No, yeah, I oh, uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, because his Gary Chapman. I don't know if I'm saying it right. No, Gary Chapman's an author. 
no, no, that's okay. Um, but we just had like a dream to have like a musical yeah. family. Um, and we really, you know, would always talk about that, but it felt that this is again, another situation where we had this dream and want and desire and the Lord started showing me that this woman's Bible study which really was like a therapy session for women and creating safe spaces where people can heal. That's where a huge need was. Not that worship, there's not a need for worship, right? But no one else in our circle was really doing it in this way. There's tons of women's Bible studies and women's ministries, but this was so specific to sharing your testimony and talking about real hurts that happened to you in the past and also, you know, breaking the chains of bondage in our lives for doors that were open in our life and forgiving our abusers and taking thoughts captive. These are all the themes that we kind of talk about in Purity and Peace. And so that's how the ministry came about. It started growing and growing. And then the woman started saying, hey, do we have this for guys? Right, DJ? Yeah. And uh, that was the hard part. Because uh, where I was at, you know, I, I the place in my life where I was at, I they didn't really want to let go of worship and being in worship ministry. Um, mm. Part of that was because that's what really brought me to Christ. You know, uh, I've been a musician for the past, you know, fifteen years. Um, yeah. I playing when I was ten, and uh, and so when I accepted, you know, when I accepted Christ in my life, I started playing for my, my grandfather's church, and then I started playing for other churches, and I started playing for good. So you know, for me, it was. Like, I didn't know if I wanted to really let go of that yet. And that was, like, yeah. the hardest part. There was, like, a few things. Like, um, the second thing that played, like, a major factor because I didn't start purity maturity for, like, another two years. Right. We tried to do a boot. We called it Arm Yourself Yeah, we, at tri- first. we did. And it was great. And people loved it. But, like, for me, it was just so hard um, only because, like, mm-hmm. I definitely had to confront, you know, the many things that I've never confronted in my life. Like, um, you know, forgiving my, you know my past hurt, my, my past hurts, you know, like forgiving my father and, you know, like, uh, my grandfather and like forgiving mm. people who played like a major role in my hurt. And mm. that was the really, that was like the hardest part because deep down I was holding a grudge and I, I didn't even realize it, you know, cause just cause I never addressed it, you know? And, um, and so for me, I was just like, you know, I can't teach these guys how to kind of like, live a life of maturity or of forgiveness and freedom in them when I wasn't free myself. And so, um, after that, it took me like two years. I went on a long journey, a two year journey of being free from that, you know, and being free from my unforgiveness and, uh, really having like a, like right now, like I have an amazing testimony, you know, when it comes to my dad, you know, cause during those two years, I really got to like talk to my dad and like really iron some things out. And uh, my dad's always been a really good father to me, always. And he's always been a good father to our family. But um, one of the reasons why we left Atlanta was because him and my mom kind of separated for a little bit. And, you know, I was this whole grudge against my dad was um, because he did change after he was a police officer. And then he just went through a lot of things in that department. And then, you know, after leaving, you know, the police, being a police officer after 10 years, it was just uh, I think he took it a lot rough. And so he started taking that out on us. And so like for me, I was waiting because my parents separated for a little bit. And so here I am in Connecticut, just wanting to go back to my home and go back to life as I knew it. Yeah. You know, and I was waiting for my dad to be my hero to take me back. And, you know, my dad came back Mm. and I never went back. 
you know, I'm still here. <laughs> but, uh, wow. Wow. but um, that was, that was something that I never really touched on and that I never really um, confronted. And then, so that lead, mm-hmm. that led to just other things that I had to deal with. And so like, for me, I, I was just like, you know, God, like, cause I've always been that type of person where I've always like, I wasn't going to just teach you something just to say, just, you know, not to say, it. you know what I'm saying? Like if I, if I'm going to yeah. tell you something, it's going to come from either experience and from a place where I know it's going to benefit you. So like, I've never been that type of person to kind of just like preach the gospel and then I walk it, you know, like, and I wasn't going to do that to these guys. Like I was just like, look, God, I can't teach these men how to be men. If I myself haven't grown up, you know, yeah, I may have thought and I may perceive to be mature in other areas, but what really counts when it comes to being a man were things that I were immature in. And so I had to mature in those things before I could teach other guys how to do that. Um, and so purity and peace or purity and peace was kind of like the catalyst. And so like I took, I pretty much went through the class myself, you know, I took my wife's study materials and I was going through it and I was just like, man, this is some really deep stuff, but it was life-changing. Mm. It was like the most life-changing thing that I've ever. And so we sat together yeah. and tweaked it to, 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 to you know, to, to find, model for guys. To model so, for guys and to so there's, there is a guy version and yes, yeah, purity and maturity. Now. Purity and maturity yeah. is the guy version of it. And DJ took it. And there's some parts of it that still reflect purity and peace, but other parts of it are focused more um, on the man. Yeah. And, so like in the men's Bible study, we talk about more of the journey of forgiveness. Right. And so like, mm. I feel like it's very important and a lot of it's, it's crazy how a lot of ministries don't really touch on this for men. You know, they touch on mm, other things, being don't. courageous and being this, but like, yo, how about learning how to apologize? Because sometimes Amen. men don't really know how to apologize for some of the things they've done. Right. And not or only just apologize, healing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not only just apologize to people you may have offended or may have hurt it. Right. But how about the people that offended you and hurt and hurt you? Right. Because at the end of the day, hurt people hurt people. And so, like, one of the things that I noticed that were about purity and peace and when my wife is having all these Bible studies in her house is that a lot of these women um, were hurt by men, you know, but they were hurt by men who were hurt, you know. And so, like, I noticed that in church when they when it comes to talking about a man being mature, they don't talk about that process of, okay, let's talk about forgiveness, Let's talk mm. about, you know, forgiving, you know, asking for forgiveness. Let's talk about forgiving others, right? Because that's like the first process to any healing process. It's not just for women, Amen. you know, like it's all yeah. for men, especially when, you know, like, let's be honest. I mean, if Adam was with Eve, you know, I don't think the serpent would ever came, you know, he came to Eve when she was at her most vulnerable. She was mm. by herself. Right. And so like, mm. um, you know, a lot of men, we don't really take the responsibility of like, how we can cause some damage, you know? Wow. And um, I think that's very important in your walk with Christ, you know, cause like you got to learn one, you got to, I feel like they don't touch it because it's not that they don't know what the damage that they did, but it's like, if you have to confront it, then you end up like hating yourself. Right. And you can't do that because you just got to get right. So like Adam in a way, like we don't know what the conversation could have been. We could have, you know, but it, it isn't it funny that we could have just kind of thought like, mm, so good. what did, what made Eve kind of like wander by herself? Right. And so, you know, it's just looking deeper into that and kind of like thinking about that. And I think a lot of men don't take responsibility from that place. Right? And we also talk in the, yeah. in the men's version, um, 
in the woman's uh, side of purity and peace, we talk about how, you know, our bodies are the temple and we should take care of our bodies. But in the men's version, they talk about how men are the high priest, right? And so there are certain standards that God had for the high priest and, um, and, and the, mm-hmm. the responsibilities of a high priest, right? And the high mm-hmm. priest is supposed to take care of, you know, the Amen. temple, and how that's supposed to look like in that relationship. To be a protector, you know, and like when, when it talks about like when impurity and maturity, one of the things that I really focus on in that week is like, you know, guys, like the reason why you got to yeah. forgive yourself is because you got to understand that when you act out on either abusing women or abusing others or, you know, whether that be verbally, sexually or whatever the case may be, you're not fulfilling your job as a high priest to protect the temple. You know what I'm saying? And, and that could be in many ways. Like for a lot of women, it's like the body. And like one of the things that I talk to the men, because, you know, when it comes to purity, you know, they only really focus on women. Let's be honest. Right. They say that, oh, you know, like you got to wear a white dress. You know, you got to wear you got to save yourself for your husband. But like, you know, if I'm being honest, my dad was just like, yo, how many chicks have you talked to in high school and stuff like that? And all this, you know, like the focus is like totally wrong. You know, like we have to go to the men and be like, yo, how are you going to set yourself aside for God? How are you going to set yourself mm-hmm aside mentally, physically, and spiritually, so you can be, and this is not saying that you can't have grace in your walk, you know, but it's just bringing back purity to sanctification, especially for men, you know, like the process of sanctification is like to continue to walk in that, right? And so that means purity too is not just a one-time thing with women, you know, purity is an active lifestyle that you're choosing to live That's within really your good. mind and your body. And with that being shared, why do you yeah. think the process of healing is such a challenge? And with healing, we, we're going back to forgiveness as well. So I know you guys really, you know, dive deep into sharing your own journeys with healing and forgiveness and how they yeah. go hand in hand. So why is that such a challenge? And how, what kind of advice could you offer, um, you know, to our listeners to go through that process and do it well? That's a good question. Um, I guess I'll start. And uh, I think why healing is such a challenge for everybody, not just for women or for just men. I feel like for everybody it's a challenge. Um, and think about it this way, because I tell the men this a lot, right? I I love, and just a little bit about myself, like I love the sport of mixed martial arts. You know, I, I grew up around boxing. You know, I grew up around fighting. And um Although I get a lot of backlash from a lot of Christians, you know, about me liking this sport, um, I feel like it identifies a lot with the walk of a Christian, right? And the reason why is because, like, think about it this way, right? Um, at the end of the day, when you're in a boxing ring or when you're in a UFC cage, um, it is you one-on-one with your opponent, but you still need a good team to help yeah. condition you, to help train you for that opponent, right? And if you think about it this way, the process wow. of a training cramp that a fighter goes through, you know, it goes through a lot of, you know, like working out is painful, you know, it goes through a lot of training and a lot of hard work that goes into that process. Right. And then you come face to face with the opponent that you've been training for, for weeks. Right. And now take that to a Christian walk. Like sometimes Amen. the wow. healing process is hard because one, you have to train for healing yeah. in a sense. Like you really have to get into the prayer. You really have to dig deep into God. You really have to mm. go to deep places with God so he can show you who your real enemy is. Right. 
And then once you have an understanding of who your real enemy is, you have to confront that enemy. So whether that may be, you know, what you've gone through in the past with either pornography or, you know, sexual immorality, whatever the case is, you know, like biblically, you know, we all have demons that we have to show up and fight. And I think that's the hard part, right? Because the process you got to go through and before you actually face the demons that you got to confront, right? That's the only, that's the only way it works. Like you got to confront certain things to be free from things. And like the championship belt, like I tell a lot of the guys is like, you know, when you win that championship belt, because the Bible refers, you know, truth as a belt and truth is also yeah. equal to freedom. Right. And so like what you're fighting for when you confront your opponent is that championship mm-hmm. belt. You're fighting for that truth so that God's good. revealing to you and you're fighting for that freedom. And as a champion, you got to retain it. You know, you can't just you can't just take keep, keep the belt and then not fight for it again. Right. You know, because here's the thing, you know. You always get a rematch with a certain opponent opponents in the game, right? So, like, wow, you're so gonna good. certain mm-hmm. things. Just like when you thought you got rid of them, you're gonna have to fight them again to make it final, right? And you gotta retain mm-hmm. that truth. Yeah. You gotta retain that freedom and that belt that you get for yourself. And that's the hard part when it comes to healing. Like, it's it's work. Yeah, it's a lot of work, yeah. and it's a struggle. But like, people, you can't be afraid of work because it's mm-hmm. the work. So, like, think about a fighter. You know, usually a fighter spends like six to eight weeks or even 12 mm-hmm. weeks in a training camp before he fights an opponent, right? Look at them before they go into training camp and then look at them after when they win the fight. The amount of transformation physically, but not only physically, but spiritually, you know, mentally, that they had to prepare for the opponent to win the championship belt, you know, and to retain the championship belt. There's such a beautiful oh, so transformation good. on the other yeah. side of healing that that makes you the best version of yourself and that makes you such a such a you know a, a force to be reckoned with you know in the kingdom of god and you know and i i feel like sometimes like you know it's hard work and that's why people are afraid of it you know because the transformation hurts the transformation mm. you know takes is a is mm-hmm. takes the takes time right doesn't happen overnight. People, people want to get, you know, you know, I work in like the gym industry and I've, I've been in health and fitness for the past mm-hmm. three years. And um, one thing I've noticed, like I always get somebody they're like, yeah, I want a six pack, you know, by the end of the month. And it's like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't like you need, to give, you need to give time. And when it comes to healing, you know, like people who've been struggling with things for so many years and then when they're finally at a place to not mm-hmm. struggle with any, with it anymore, they just want to, mm. You know, so they don't, they're just like, I want to happen. I want it to happen tomorrow. And, and the real thing is it's like, no healing is a process, but it's such a beautiful transformation as hard as it is. And, you know, as bloody the fight might be in the moment when you win and when God is there at your side, just wrapping freedom around you and just you're, you're free from, you know, the things that were holding you bondage. Mm -hmm. It's such a beautiful transformation. It's such a beautiful, it's what I live for. You know, like I, I love you know, I love to see people go through that transformation and then are able to like kind of get the freedom that they've been looking for. Right. You know? And just to piggyback off of that too, the the challenging part is the work. And for me, just to share a little bit of my testimony is, you know, I was sexually abused as a child um, by a family member. Right. And so that put me into a place where I was silent for a long time. I didn't tell anybody about the abuse because even as a child, I perceived that 
I mm. uh, had to keep that as a secret mm-hmm. because it felt like yeah. I was bad. Yeah. I was the wrong one. I was the one that was was wrong. And I learned in therapy that children think that, right? So for DJ and his move and his parents, um, you know, separating as children, we identify mm-hmm. that we're the, we're the reason why when you're a child. And so that process of healing, a lot of the times the way we cope is yeah. we stuff it down. Don't talk about it, you know, and we're not, we're not taught to talk about these hard things in our families either. We're, we're modeling mm. parents who aren't necessarily showing us um, how to do that or we're afraid, you know, um, I mm-hmm. always share it. My dad, a uh, Vietnam veteran, you know, he was very uh, mm-hmm. militant in his, you know, in the way that he raised us up at authoritarian. So as a, as a little girl, that was very scary for me. He also had a very explosive personality, was a minister, amazing dad, right? Like took me on vacations, never laid a hand on me in the sense of like physical abuse or anything like that. But my dad had an alcoholic father and there was a lots of trauma in his life. And I was seeing the fruit of that growing up too, you know? And so what made it hard for me mm-hmm. was when I got older, I had been keeping this secret for so long and, you know, to come out and confess it to anyone now. And, and then I started seeing the fruits of that in my life and how it was, I hadn't healed from it because I hadn't um, confessed it or even acknowledged it or how to deal with the self image issues that it created in me. I gained an enormous amount of weight you know, in my preteens, which led to being bullied in school, which led to, you know, it it just, it's just like so much other things that produce from this thing Mm -hmm. that happened to me and the insecurity in me. It's so challenging because, you know, from there it's, it's also acknowledging that, um, I had a, a skewed view of men, right? Mm-hmm. That men are abusive and that men are mean and angry wow. and I'm walking on eggshells and, mm-hmm. you know, it created this perfect recipe in my life to think that men were bad. Um, and when I started my ministry, um, I did write out my whole, in a Testimony Tuesday, I did a Testimony Tuesday on that blog and I wrote my whole real raw testimony in there and my mom saw it and she read it. And she was like, you got to bring that down. Right. And so I think out of her, it just um, encouraged my, uh, my feeling that this was shameful, right. To the family and that I'm, you know, I put in, even in the testimony that I learned at a very young age, that reputation meant everything. Right. So I'm, and the way that she said it, and I totally understood as well, was she's like, not everybody is out to hear out here for your healing. They're going to take this story and you know twist it or whatnot, which is which could totally happen. But the reality was, she was more afraid that my dad would see it, mm-hmm. and you know it would break his heart, right? And so I lived with that for years, even after Purity and Peace. Yeah. And here I am telling women, come out about your story, share your story, write your testimonies, and it got to a point. Uh, just to last year, believe it or not, um, I feel the Lord is, you know, leading me to write a book about my my life and even our podcast, mm-hmm. you know, about the real truths that happened to us. And this is not in a way to shame my family. In fact, I've mm-hmm. in doing purity and peace. This is so much more common, guys, than you think. You know, we think that it's a taboo topic that abuse and family and, um, you know, what is it mm-hmm. called? Like incest is is like taboo and and it is in the topic of what's supposed to be right but it happens way more often than we think guys 
And so I see, I'm seeing that and the Lord showing me that. And because where the Lord's taking us, he's asked, asking me to be a little bit more vocal about where I've been. So, because I've seen my story help others, right? We will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I've seen my personal testimony help others. And so I felt like the Lord calling me to hire, but I'm Mm -hmm. like, God, I can't, I can't say anything Mm -hmm. because the last time I said something, it was told for me to take it down. And on top of the fact that my dad, right. I don't want to break his heart. And so, um, last year in November, um, there was a woman who I, we do purity ceremonies at, at the end of purity and peace. We allow women to come in and, and, you know, either, uh, make a purity covenant or renew a purity covenant with the Lord. And it's a beautiful thing, but women usually bring in, um, a lot, a lot Mm -hmm. of the women in our ministry, the great thing that God has given us the opportunity is to break down walls and barriers between churches. So we have all types of women coming into our ministry from churches all over, which is a blessing. I don't take that for granted at all. Um, And so we had a a woman going through the ceremony from a a church in Bridgeport, and she brought her Mm. brothers and sisters from that church to come in. And one of those sisters, she had a word for the Lord from me. Like the Lord gave her a word and she came to me and she was like, hey, can I, can I tell you something? I feel the Lord told you, Mm -hmm. told, told me to tell you. And I said, yeah, sure. Mm. And she goes, you know, I feel the Lord has told you to do something and you haven't done it. And if you, yeah. There's a quickening in the spirit, she said, and if you don't get this done, you're going to be in disobedience. And I knew it was this, guys. I knew it was not like telling my dad and getting this out there so that I could share my true testimony, right? Because um, it, that was what was holding me back. I would hate, and I'm already sharing yeah. it already. Like I was sharing it on lives. I was sharing it here and there. But imagine the way the enemy works is that, you know, imagine somebody going to my dad and telling him yeah. this and me not telling him. Like, would my dad rather hear it? And me and my dad are so close. Like, I'm such a daddy's girl. Mm. You know, in my in yeah. in my adulthood, we've really grown in our relationship, right? And I think we have, like, a five-year-old version of our parents a lot of the times. Like, they were mean or they were this. Yeah. But then you grow up and you realize, wow, like, they're really a human being. And yeah. they weren't perfect at all. They were struggling to figure it all out. You know, we thought they knew they were doing and they didn't know what they were doing. They were living on the grace of God, you know. And so, you know, recognizing that my father and I have really developed a really great friendship. But this was the one thing that I really need to tell him because it would break my heart if somebody else would to tell him. And so on last November, it, that happened on a Sunday and I knew exactly what the Lord was calling me to do. On Monday night by six o'clock, I was at my daddy's house, sitting him in his office and saying and telling him, listen, I have something really big to share with you. It's serious. And I sat him down and I told him that I was inappropriately, inappropriately touched. And, you know, I've, this is a part of my testimony and I've forgiven my abuser and I'm healed, but he needs to know that because I would hate for someone else to come tell him. And he was so gracious and thankful. Um, But that's hard. Right. That's the process of healing. That's hard. And yeah. because I'm yeah. I'm over here in fear that, oh, my gosh, how is he going to react? Oh, my gosh, this. Oh, my gosh, that. And like the enemy had me thinking all these things like this is going to ruin your relationship with your dad. And it could have. Right. Like it could have very well been. I told him and he would have been like, you know, there. I've heard women confess their, you know, true testimonies yeah. to their parents and their parents yeah. disown them. Like, you know, and so. All of these are possibilities and they're scary. You know, when we do the will of God and we're obeying God, it's not all, you know, I don't want people to think either, 
uh, what drives me crazy about like prosperity gospel. And I, and I do believe in prosperity. I'm not thinking, saying that we don't experience, um, you know, a God of goodness that's giving and that we will receive, but in this life, we will, there will be much trouble. That's Jesus said that that we're going to find much trouble. So there's going to be yeah. lots of difficulties in this life. Amen. And it's, he says, but don't be afraid for I have overcome the world, right? In this world, we're going to find a lot of pain, a lot of trouble, but don't be afraid. I have overcome the world, Jesus said. And so we, we've we got to go forth in obedience. And I think that it's the repercussion of that because sometimes our obedience brings blessings in, in what looks wow. and feels good. And sometimes our obedience is going to bring backlash. Yeah, you know, and that's what makes healing scary mm. because um, we don't know what to expect on the other side of that obedience. But we've got to love God and and obey Him so much so that no matter what's waiting for us on the other side of obedience, that we know that we know mm. that our obedience so shows good. that we love God. The Word of God says, "If you love me, you will do what I command." And that has to be enough. Right. And, yeah. and and we have to get in this place where we're resilient and we're going after the things of God, despite yes. of the consequences yeah. of that. And sometimes it's good. And some, you know, sometimes yeah. that lands us in the so palace good. like Joseph, but sometimes it lands us in the prison like Joseph. Right. And so um, that's what makes it hard is the unknown and having to have hard conversations. This is going to require us to have hard conversations and admitting things that we don't want to confront. And that's hard. Yeah, that's the, really the hard. The process is just confrontational, especially now where um, our generation tries to avoid confrontation, right? Even when it comes to socializing. So that's why we have social media yeah. and, you know, um, Instagram or Facebook so we can interact with people um from a distance where when it comes to healing and the process of forgiveness you know it's very confrontational and you really have to mm-hmm. you really have to come face to face with it you know you can't have a distance unfortunately yeah um, so good you really have to kind of like embrace it in that way but like I was saying before you know and and we'll, and kind of like to piggyback what my wife was saying um there's such a beauty yeah. in it though you know, and there's such a beauty in that process, you know, like the restoration that comes from mm-hmm. her talking to her dad. Right. And the restoration that came from me talking to my dad, you know, when I had to, you know, I forgive my dad and be like, you know, like, you know, well, you had to have a hard conversation with your dad. You know, he had to bring some truths to the table with his dad. And I think yeah. that's the encouragement and advice we can probably give to your yeah, and yeah, always be like, because I mean, I'm I'm really grateful to God that like you know yeah. I'm closer to my dad than ever before, you know, as an adult than when I than I was as a kid, and um, you know, and I think that's the hope in it. I mean, we can't always. Yeah, I feel like what the church doesn't teach enough is like right. they'll teach more like, um, oh, just forgive and kind of just let yeah. it go and let God. And there's there is truth to that, you know, like we do have to let go and let God. But mm. like, you gotta. Be, there has to be some action to your prayer. You know, right? mm, there has so to be good. Something. Faith without works, yeah, faith it, is it, dead. It, yeah, faith Amen. Works is dead. And so, like, that means your faith can't just be faith. That has to have some type of work to it. You know, and um, yeah, and right. I think that's what Jesus would have also wanted too. You know, like Jesus was a very confrontational person, whether it be when it comes to the Pharisees or mm-hmm. when it came to you know co- confronting people in love when uh, he found the woman at the well 
and stuff like that. Like there's some some type of confrontation has to happen and some type of work has to go into healing. And Jesus confronts our yeah. sin for sure. Like he confronts yeah. it and we have to repent. We have to confront it and we have to admit it, right? It's like the ABCs of um mm-hmm. of salvation. It's admit, believe, confess. And yeah, that we see that also in our lives right. too, in our healing journey. We're gonna have to admit some things that are hard. Believing that Christ is true and that he's gonna stand by us when we obey yeah. him, regardless mm-hmm. of the outcome. And we have true. to confess that, you know, sometimes we have to confess how we played a role in it too. Sometimes yeah. we blame everybody else, but a lot of the time, hurt people hurt people like yeah. DJ said before. And so a lot of the time we take our wounds and what mm. people have done to us. And then we go and we hurt others and we just focus on how people hurt us, but we don't focus on what we've, the damage we've caused in response to that. And I started seeing that in my relationships. I started seeing that in my friendships. I started seeing that in my romantic relationship. And I had to realize yeah. Vicky, you're the common denominator here. So You're the good. common wow. denominator here. And that's hard, right. Those are hard things to accept. Okay. And so, you know, yeah. the encouragement and advice I give right. maybe to the listeners here is to confront, confront those hurts and maybe confront the people who have hurt you. Now that's not always possible or safe yeah. or okay. Right. I'm not saying um, in every case, sometimes we can't confront our abusers because that's not safe. Right. Um, And we have to use wisdom as well. And sometimes that might mean you have to write out a letter and and say your truth in writing, let it go and then give that person to God as the as the Lord says and not hold that grudge, but literally put them in God's Mm. hands because vengeance belongs to God and God does a good job uh, with that. Right. We don't have to take that into our own hands. God will always take care of his children in both ways. So like he'll take care of. You know, and that's one thing that God revealed to me when it came to my forgiveness process and when it came to healing. Like, um, I really had to understand that, you know, God takes care of his children. Or if you're the one that needs to be taken care of, right? So, like, think about it this way. Like, when when your sibling, I don't know, do you guys have any siblings at all? Or yes, I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest. Yeah, so, like, I grew, I grew up, mm. you know, with, I'm the middle child, so I have a younger sister and an older brother. And um, my younger sister and my mm. older brother will always get into a fight. Always. It was like constant. And then I was always in the middle mm-hmm. of it. And then my mom will always come and kind of like set things straight. And But the beautiful thing is my mom being a good parent, right? Um, the moment my younger sister or my older brother would be like, mom, I'm being picked on. She would get yeah. up, wipe the tears off their cheek, and then hold accountable to the person who did wrong. And now my mom, being a good parent, being a great parent, mm-hmm. being human and imperfect, how much more will God do for you being righteous and perfect? He'll take care of his kids both ways. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we try to take actions into our own hands. Yeah. You know, where I don't discipline my dad's kids. Like, I don't discipline my brother. I don't discipline my younger sister. My parents discipline their kids. You know, and God being my heavenly father and us being his children and his creation, like he'll take yeah. care of his kids who need to be taken care of and he'll discipline those who need to be disciplined. And that's and that's the kind of Amen. thing that you kind of have to like let go. Like God calls himself a father for a reason. He's showing that he's a parent 
you know, and a good, responsible parent and a loving parent will do the things that he needs to do to take care of his kids. Exactly. And so the areas in my life where I felt like I needed to offer myself grace and continuing on with, you know, my testimony was when I was 19 years old, I compromised my purity with the young man who I was in that six-year relationship with. And that was something that I could not forgive myself for. Um, because I grew up in the church, I knew better. It was something I held myself to a high standard of it. And um, mm. and so there are going to be things in our story where we need to forgive others. But then that last step is forgiving yourself. Right? We have to not hold ourselves yeah. in a grudge. We have to not hold ourselves in, in a prison cell for making a mistake, maybe because we didn't know better, or maybe because we did know better, or maybe because it was a moment of weakness. You know, when we don't forgive ourselves, when we come to God and ask him for forgiveness, what does the Bible say? If we repent, he will forgive us, right? He is faithful to forgive us. If we confess our sins, he will forgive us of our sins. And that's how it goes. So if we refuse to forgive ourselves, what we're essentially saying is that our standard of forgiveness is higher than God's. We are not, we're not able to, you know, forgive ourselves when we know our own hearts and that we're sincerely sorry. And we've got to let go of some things. We've got to have grace for ourselves because Christ died for us. And we're saying that the death on the cross was not enough for us to be forgiven. And that's basically after, after going through that, I really had to forgive that 19 year old girl and take her out of prison. Because when we do that, we, we get stuck in the process. We get stuck in the healing process. Uh, A lot of times it's like stages of grief. There's five stages and one of them is anger. And I see a lot of women getting stuck in the anger because it feels good. You know, you can control people with anger. You can, um, it makes you feel good. You see red, it gives you, you know, um, an extra boost of emotion. Um, and some of us are stuck in the depression stage as well. Right. And so, um, I personally was stuck in the denial stage, stage one for a really long time. And when I actually went through this process at 26 years old, I went from stage one to stage four in a month. I just went right through it. And I was in depression for a while And then the Lord moved me through to a place of acceptance. And when we say acceptance, it's not that you accept that it's okay. We're not putting a stamp of approval on that the things were okay, but we accept that it happened. We we accept that God is in control and that he will avenge. Mm. And we accept that there's a future waiting for us, a land of milk and honey waiting for us that that, uh, we can get to with the help of of the Lord. And so, any thoughts about that, Deej? Uh, no, I think I think you really. All right, great. <laughs> I just yeah. don't want to talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's beautiful. Um, your testimony, the story of healing, and um, I am a trauma therapist, beautiful. and so yeah. I yeah. like I know that our listeners definitely just needed to hear um, someone else to say, you know what, same. Like the process of healing is just, it's, it's not perfect. It's not, it is beautiful, but it is hard. Like you guys mentioned, like it, there are its own challenges and, um, 
and it's really yeah. hitting the issue head on. And sometimes that is the most scariest. That is the most traumatic. That is the most hurtful, painful place um, to be in. And I definitely believe that just, you know, the story um, that you guys just kind of explain your own healing process and just how um, how beautiful, but even in the ugly parts of just how ugly sometimes it can be and how we do have to um, face the parts that we contribute to. Um, I think sometimes that's the hardest part is when we have to realize where we've went wrong where we may now have to extend forgiveness, where we may now have to extend intervention, allow God in deeper to lovingly correct us um, just as a father, as he is to his children. Um, It is just, it's such a, it's a process. It's difficult, but um, listeners, you know, you're not, you're not alone. (laughs) Like, like we are all healing in some aspect. Um, through something. Um, sometimes the evidence of our trauma, you know, does appear later on. Um, and that process is not the funnest. Um, but as they did mention, you know, it, it, it gets beautiful. Like God gives us beauty for our ashes. Um, and I definitely, I love, love your guys' story. Um, and as we wrap up um, today. I just wanted to say, um, one, are there any last final words that you want to share and how can our viewers and listeners find you guys? The last words I want to share is that there are safe spaces for you to heal. And so if you have been through traumatic things in your life, there is a family in Christ waiting to sit with you, to listen to your story, to hug you, to encourage you through those hard moments. Um, Because I can't say that I did all of this by myself, right? And and guess what? God is pursuing you so relentlessly. He, He was pursuing me so relentlessly. He sent a whole total stranger to tell me, girl, if you don't get it together, if you don't do what I told you to do, you're in disobedience. And let me tell you, I was like, what? God, I'm doing all, I'm doing this purity ceremony for you. I'm doing purity and peace and all this stuff for you. And I'm in disobedience. And right when I thought that the woman put her hand on me and she said, I rebuke the spirit of anger out of you right now. She had no idea what I was thinking. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is wild. But God is pursuing us relentlessly. He will send you a stranger to speak to you. And so that's my final word is find a safe space where you can heal. And you're welcome to join us at Pure Love and Health. Um, it's You can find our website at www.purityandpeace.com. And you will find uh, Purity and Maturity will be up on there. Um, we also have a podcast as well called the Pure Love Podcast that you can listen to on platforms like Spotify, Apple. And you can find it right on uh purityandpeace.com slash podcast. We also have a healing blog, um, which is purityandpeace.com slash blog. And that's testimonials from participants who've been through Purity and Peace and they share their healing journey testimony there. So if you felt encouraged by ours, I really, you know, encourage you to jump on that blog so you can kind of read um, other women right now, we don't have the guys up on the healing blog yet, but we have other women sharing their testimonies of their hurt. And just so that you can know you're not alone. 
you're not alone. You're not alone. Yeah. Uh, I think my last words to everybody would kind of just be, um, just understand that you are a champion, you know, and you have what it takes to stay and become a champion, you know, in your own right, whether that be, you know, freedom from an addiction that you might have or freedom for, for anything in your life. Just know that you have what it takes to achieve it, you know, and you just, just really have to be willing to go through it for it, you know, and, and like, there's always a good team. Like my wife was saying before, you know, there's always a good, there's always good people in the body of Christ that want to help you succeed and want to help you grow and disciple you, you know, so just keep that in mind. Good. There's so much that I know we have been blessed with as you guys shared your journey and testimony, but also our listeners. And so I'm so excited for us to release this um, because you hit so many important topics. And I think the most uh, difficult area that we struggle with as believers and as people, as humans, is forgiveness, is healing. And a lot of people, Mm -hmm. it hurts to heal. It hurts to forgive. And a lot of people, you know, avoid that process. And as a result, don't really ever get to where God wants them to be. So that is why this is so important what you guys discussed today, because we hope that this will encourage and uplift the spirits of those who are right now struggling yeah. with forgiveness, struggling with having hope and faith, um, regardless of what the situation is, but dealing with that challenge and knowing that God is our hope and can get us through those moments and those times in our life. And so we have been blessed. It was an honor to have you both on and we're just so thankful Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. It's well, really exciting to be here. Yeah, we really are. An, it's an honor. It's an honor when we get yeah. asked to be um, on these things. So thank you so much. Oh, we really you. appreciate it. We hope that you enjoyed that episode and will continue to make room and space for grace. Make sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. You can connect with us by going to our Milkshake account at msha.ke slash space of grace podcast where you'll find our Instagram, Facebook, website, and ways to listen to Space of Grace. Don't forget to tune in every Monday. It's going to be dope.